Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we continue our look at the Armageddon Syndrome with J.R. Church. Our summer online prophecy conference is underway. Right now, you have full access to 10 different speakers, all online and all on demand. Watch when you want, as often as you want. Now, through July 24th, you can access special sessions by Michael Hoggard, Kamal Salim, J.R. Church, Micah Van Hus, Larry Spargimino, Noah Hutchings, Rob Linstead, Doc Marquis, Ambassador Henry Cooper, and Eric Barger. Register today for the Summer Online Prophecy Conference by visiting the events section of our website, swrc.com, or by calling 1-800-652-1144. James Collins and J.R. Church continue to shed light on the darkening political maze facing our world in the near future, and they reveal the electrifying remedy prescribed for the Armageddon Syndrome. Last time, we heard a special program featuring J.R. Church, the founder and host of Prophecy in the News, about his book, The Armageddon Syndrome. As part of Prophecy in the News now being a gospel partner with Southwest Radio Ministries, we are excited today to continue spotlighting The Armageddon Syndrome. The book was originally published in 1985. Now, after over 35 years of being out of print, The Armageddon Syndrome is back with a new revised edition. The new edition of the Armageddon Syndrome contains a brand new introduction by yours truly, James Collins. Also, it contains J.R.'s teachings on what the Bible says about the future, and it has been expanded to include his teachings on the prophetic significance of the Jewish High Holy Days. Let's listen now as J.R. explains the significance of the shofar, the trumpet, in Bible prophecy. The resurrection of the saints, the rapture of the church, and the second coming of Christ are all connected with the blowing of a trumpet. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the apostle Paul wrote, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again he wrote, Behold, we show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In each of these verses, the Apostle Paul refers to the trumpet. The blowing of the trumpet has its origins in the Old Testament Judaism. Whether it be the modern use of the trumpet in our military today, the playing of taps or reveille, or whether it be the charge of the cavalry into the battle in days gone by, the trumpet's use finds its origin in the early pages of the Bible. The eyes of Texas are upon you, says the happy song, till Gabriel blows his horn. Yes, the use of the trumpet is deep in its symbolism. It has a very great spiritual and prophetic significance. Every born-again Christian today who looks forward to the second coming of Christ as a thief in the night to snatch away his bride is listening for that spine-tingling, exhilarating sound of God's divine trumpet. The ram's horn trumpet is blown each year on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. 
It is called in the Bible the Feast of Trumpets. And that Jewish holy day, along with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, has a very great prophetic significance. For they look forward to that day when Messiah will come, raise the dead, judge the world, and establish his millennial kingdom on earth. Even though the blowing of the trumpet will be heard before the rapture, J.R. Church reminds us that no man knows the day or the hour that the trumpet will blow. However, it is possible that the rapture could happen on Rosh Hashanah. Once the tribulation period has begun and the Antichrist revealed, any knowledgeable person on Bible prophecy will be able to determine the succession of events and with accuracy, I think, be able to pinpoint the abomination of desolation perpetrated by the Antichrist and the date for the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The 144,000 Jews who are sealed by the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the tribulation period will surely be knowledgeable enough to know the date for the coming of their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason we do not know today is that God's time schedule concerning the tribulation period has not yet begun. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Four verses later, he explains what event he was talking about. He said in verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. It is the rapture of the church that is shrouded in mystery. For men to say that the rapture will occur on a certain day in a certain year is unwise. It is obvious, however, that once the tribulation period has begun and the Antichrist revealed, it will be possible to calculate that date for the second coming of Christ. But that privilege, if it be any comfort, will be left to the Jew who must endure the tribulation period. I am thankful that Christ has promised the believer of this dispensation an escape from the wrath of God by way of the rapture. Now, it is possible that the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the dead in Christ will occur on some future Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. For it is the Jewish holy day that prophesies that great event. But even Rosh Hashanah was not allowed to be calculated by the Jew through mathematical formula the Jewish people must watch each year for the coming of that day. On the last day of the month of Elul in the Jewish calendar, just prior to the beginning of the Jewish New Year, the Jewish people stationed themselves to watch for the new moon. This marked the beginning of Rosh Hashanah in the days of the Bible. Along about the 3rd or 4th century A.D., after the great diaspora, when the Jews were scattered from their native land to all the countries of the world, the date for Rosh Hashanah began to be calculated. This, of course, was in violation of God's word. Just as the ancient Jew would watch for the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, we are commanded by our Savior to watch for the rapture of the church. When Rosh Hashanah was proclaimed, the ram's horn trumpets would be blown. Likewise, one day we shall hear the great heavenly trumpet. The dead will be raised and the church raptured. The Armageddon Syndrome is an overview of Bible prophecy. 
The second half of the Armageddon Syndrome contains J.R. Church's teachings of the prophetic significance of the Jewish High Holy Days. Let's listen to an example now as J.R. reveals the mystery of the Eve of Yom Kippur. The third special day, observed during these seven days of awe, is called Erev Yom Kippur, or the Eve of Yom Kippur. It is observed on the seventh day and could well have a prophetic significance to the seventh year of the tribulation period. This day preceding Yom Kippur is regarded as a semi-festival, which is usually spent in making preparations for the Day of Atonement. Early in the morning, often before breakfast, the religious Jew takes a chicken and waves it above his head while at the same time he recites this verse three times. Quote, This is my substitute. This is my exchange. This is my atonement. This fowl will go to its death, and I shall enter a good and long life in peace. End of quote. The ceremony is symbolic and reminiscent of the temple sacrifices. One of the ideas behind the atonement sacrifice in the temple is that guilt is transferred to the sacrificial animal, which pays the penalty for man's sin, while the person is cleansed. Through the offering of the animal, the person should be brought to the realization that it is he who should in reality be paying the penalty. After the brief ceremony, the chicken is redeemed by money, which is given to the poor and immediately slaughtered to be eaten for the meal preceding the fast of Yom Kippur. The intestines of the chicken are thrown away in a place where the birds can eat them. How significant that one day, in the battle of Armageddon, when it looks as if the Jewish people will have to pay the ultimate price for their unbelief, a spirit of repentance will come over the Jewish people, and they shall turn to Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and beg for forgiveness. They will have no choice. The genocide of the Jewish people will be imminent. Half the city of Jerusalem will have fallen to the enemy, the houses rifled and the women ravaged. When the Jewish people are finally driven to repentance, a substitute sacrifice will be given. Instead of the Jewish people being destroyed, the armies of the world will be destroyed. Instead of the blood of Jews running in the streets, the blood of Gentiles will flow as deep as from the ground to the bridle of the horses for the length of the land of Israel. And just as the birds are invited to eat the entrails of the chicken, Revelation chapter 19 verse 17 reads, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. It is also on that day that the Jewish people pray a confessional prayer of repentance before eating the sacrificed chicken. Another custom, seldom seen nowadays, is to receive lashes. At one time, lashes were a common form of punishment by communal authorities. 
On Erev Yom Kippur, token blows, usually with a leather strap, are administered lightly. The penitent Jew recites the short confessional, and the striker of the blows recites, quote, For he is merciful and forgives iniquity. End of quote. And we are reminded of Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, where there the scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Yes, dear friend, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. One of the main focuses that J.R. Church explored in the Armageddon Syndrome was the prophetic significance of the blood used on the Day of Atonement. Let's listen again as he explains. On the ancient Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies three times, once with a special incense offering, and twice to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices. The people waiting in the courtyard of the temple were unable to see the high priest until he emerged from the outer sanctuary. It was believed that if the high priest was unworthy to enter the Holy of Holies, he would not survive. For this reason, a rope was tied to the leg of the high priest, so that if he collapsed while in the presence of God, his body could be pulled from the inner sanctuary. As far as I know, history never recorded the death of a high priest while in the Holy of Holies. When the high priest entered the inner sanctuary with the blood of the sacrifice animal, he would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat, which represented the throne of God. After three hours in the darkness of the Holy of Holies, the high priest would emerge with the empty basin, hold it high, and proclaim, It is finished. The people then were confident that the sacrifice had been accepted and their sins had been forgiven. Prophetically, the blood atonement found its fulfillment on Calvary. Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, has now taken his blood in the presence of God. On Calvary, he proclaimed, It is finished. I believe also the ultimate fulfillment will come to pass when our high priest returns from the Holy of Holies of God's presence in heaven to proclaim in his appearance in the clouds of glory, it indeed is finished. I'm James Collins, and you are listening to legendary Bible prophecy teacher J.R. Church talk about his book, The Armageddon Syndrome. For the first time in over 35 years, the book is back in print. The new updated edition includes new chapters from J.R. Church with his teachings on the prophetic significance of the Jewish High Holy Days. Order your copy of J.R. Church's The Armageddon Syndrome now by calling 1-800-652-1144 or you can order online at swrc.com. One of the most amazing chapters in The Armageddon Syndrome presents a picture of the gestation period of a human child. The prophetic significance of these seven Jewish holy days is astounding to say the least. But there is yet another equally incredible parallel to be found in the time sequence of these seven Jewish holy days. In the seven Jewish feast days, believe it or not, there is a perfect picture of the gestation period in the development of a human child. This is an absolutely incredible find. In the time sequence and events of the seven Jewish holy days, God gives us the beautiful picture in the development of God's masterpiece the creation of man. As the story unfolds, you will be able to see, first, 
that the Bible was written not by mere man. For 3,500 years ago, men did not have a scientific understanding of gynecology or of obstetrics. Quite the contrary, the Bible was written by one who possessed absolute knowledge in the meticulous birth process. More than that, it had to be written by the one who designed the birth process. Second, these seven Jewish holy days proved divine creation. And through the magnificent parallels between the Jewish holy days and the development of the embryo, we learn that the theory of evolution is absolute nonsense. One of J.R. Church's closest friends was Zola Levitt, the late prophecy teacher and Messianic Bible scholar. When J.R. completed his original writings on the significance of the Jewish feasts, he discovered their connection to the gestation period of a human child in the writings of Zola Levitt. After doing the research in our study of the High Holy Days, I came across a little book by Zola Levitt entitled The Seven Feasts of Israel. Out of curiosity, I bought the book and read it to see if Mr. Levitt could add anything to the already detailed study we had just concluded. His prophetic treatment of the seven feasts of Israel coincided generally with what we had presented, but in fact were not as detailed as our own study. Feeling somewhat smug about the thoroughness of what I had considered an exhaustive study, I came to a second chapter in this little book, entitled, Unto Us a Child is Born. And it was there that I found out, much to my chagrin, that I was still a student of the Word and not a scholar, for I still had much to learn. And so what I wish to share with you today is a profound study developed by Mr. Zola Levitt. According to his story, he discovered the parallels between the seven Jewish holy days and the birth of a child quite by accident. He had been asked by his publisher to write a book on birth that could be used as a gift to be presented to Christian couples at the arrival of their blessed event. Now, it was not to be a detailed book, for Mr. Levitt is not a doctor. He probably began his research with the idea of writing it from the viewpoint of the birth of our Savior. In order to get a better understanding of the birth process, he invited a physician Dr. Margaret Matheson, to help him in his research. He asked her to help him in some detail just how uh, the baby is formed and how it grows. It was her first statement that gave him a clue to the whole system. She said, On the fourteenth day of the first month, the egg appears. <laughs> that statement, the fourteenth day of the first month, rang a bell. It is found in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 5 in the fourteenth day of the first month. That statement is found in God's original instructions for the observance of the Passover. Now, the Jews use an egg on the Passover table as a symbol of the new life they were granted by the sacrifice of the lamb in Egypt. The Christian world does not celebrate Passover as such. Instead, we celebrate Easter. But it corresponds with the same season of the year. Strangely enough, the symbol of Easter is an egg. Now, granted, the symbol of the egg at Easter comes from a pagan source. Nevertheless, it corresponds beautifully with the Jewish symbol at Passover. On the fourteenth day of the first month, the egg appears. Is it possible that God chose to correlate Passover with the birth process? If so, 
then the fertilization of the egg should coincide with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which, by the way, must occur on the very next night. On the fifteenth day of the first month, according to Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 6. And so, Mr. Levitt asked the doctor how soon fertilization of the mother's egg must occur if pregnancy is to happen. Her answer was very clear and very definite. She said, Fertilization must occur within 24 hours or the egg will pass on. How incredible and how perfect. J.R. continues in the Armageddon Syndrome to show how the Jewish feasts parallel with the gestation period of a human child. It's an incredible teaching that will amaze you. You've been listening to legendary Bible prophecy teacher J.R. Church talk about his book, The Armageddon Syndrome. I'm James Collins reminding you, keep looking up. Get the CD of the complete two-day presentation by James Collins and J.R. Church on the Armageddon Syndrome when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Watchman on the Wall is excited to announce the Armageddon Syndrome by J.R. Church is now back in print for the first time in almost 40 years. What does the future hold? Is there hope at all? This book sheds light on the darkening political maze facing our world and reveals the electrifying remedy prescribed for the Armageddon Syndrome. This revised and updated edition features a new section from the writings of J.R. Church titled, A Prophetic Perspective on the High Holy Days. Order The Armageddon Syndrome by J.R. Church when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online, swrc.com. When a faithful servant of Christ passes away, we are both sad and joyful. Sad for their leaving, but joyful for their arriving at home in heaven with the Lord. James Collins shares his thoughts on the recent homegoing of Dr. Ed Heinsohn. Another one of my heroes in the ministry has passed from this life. Dr. Ed Heinsohn died on July 2nd. He was only 77 years old. I first became acquainted with Dr. Heinsohn's ministry when I heard him as a guest on this very program many years ago. That led to me finding him on television where he was the host of The King is Coming. In the years since, I have read most of his 40 books, and I have really come to appreciate him as one of the best Bible teachers in America. I was blessed to have been able to interview him. And he shared with me that he was the first in his family to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and accept the gift of God's salvation as a young boy at the age of six. The rest of his family and succeeding generations later followed his example. Because of Christ's power at work in Dr. Heinsohn, the Lord changed the legacy of his family from godless to God-filled, from uneducated to educated from fear to faith, and from hopelessness to unexplainable hope and expectation, anchored in the truth that Dr. Heinsohn proclaimed boldly all over the world that one day soon the King is coming. Dr. Heinsohn was also well known as a teacher. He served at the School of Divinity at Liberty University as a professor of religion for over 35 years. He was also a family man. 
He is survived by his wife of 55 years, Donna Jean, and two daughters, Linda and Christy, one son, Jonathan, and seven grandchildren. Ed was surrounded by his loving family when he passed from this life, bound by time, into eternal life. At the moment he left, he had a smile on his face and his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. When Ed Heinsohn died, I picked up a couple of his books, and I noticed that he often wrote about heaven. In one book, he wrote, Everything that is truly precious to us Christians is in heaven. The Father is there. Jesus himself is at the Father's right hand. Many brothers and sisters in Christ are there too. Then Dr. Heinsohn got very personal and he wrote, My name is recorded there, and your name is recorded there. Our names are recorded in heaven. In Luke 10.20, Christ told his disciples who were casting out demons, Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Dr. Heinsohn continued, Our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is where we belong. We are just strangers on the earth. Our real wealth, our eternal reward is in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that the only treasure we will possess throughout eternity is there. He then concluded, in other words, everything we should love everlastingly, everything we rightly value, everything of any eternal worth is in heaven. As you can tell from his writing, Dr. Ed Heinsohn was a man who was always focused on heaven. But don't just take my word for it. Listen now to Ed Heinsohn as he describes how being ready for heaven keeps our focus in the right direction. God, I think, allows things to come apart from time to time from a human perspective to remind us this is not our final destiny right here. And if you're dealing with people that live in the third world, become believers, they want to know how soon can we go to heaven. But Americans are thinking, hey, I've got the house at the beach and I've got the swimming pool and the three cars and all my plans and let's not get in a hurry to get there. And yet at the same time, If you ask them, do you really want to go, most people will say yes, but you have to get your focus then on the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the one who can take you there, and you need to be ready to go at any time. Any of us could die at any moment, or Jesus could come at any moment, so being ready to go keeps our focus in the right direction. Yes, Dr. Heinsohn truly believed that heaven would be spectacular. Listen again to the excitement in his voice as he describes the beauty of heaven. The beautiful thing about it is that if Jesus has been there now for nearly 2,000 years preparing for the bride of Christ, it has to be spectacular beyond imagination. Think of how beautiful the world is, and it's under the curse of sin. Despite that, the beauty of various places on this planet are incredible. They're nothing compared to what he has prepared for us for all this time. He's working on something unique for every single believer And what I love about it is we're all there in that house together, brothers and sisters, co-equal in the family of God, serving in a glorified state where there's no sin, there's no animosity, there's no competition of any sort. Everybody is there with a focus on the presence of Jesus Christ. On July 2nd, 2022, Dr. Ed Heinsohn ran through the gates of heaven into the arms of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He then heard the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
The Armageddon Syndrome by J.R. Church is now back in print for the first time in almost 40 years. Order The Armageddon Syndrome by J.R. Church today, 1-800-652-1144, or order online, swrc.com. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.